0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today on this beautiful fall weekend. Wasn't yesterday wonderful? Yeah, just perfect. I mean, perfect for anything. And then tomorrow we're back in the dead of summer. So that's kind of how September rolls, isn't it? Was such a beautiful day, such a beautiful day to do about anything. And, of course, on top of that, we put the remembrance of 9-11, one of the hardest days in in American history And uh, just thinking back on that day, I know you probably saw some of this on on our social media. But as I look back and remember that day, of course, there's the horror of what happened on that day and all those memories. But, man, my first thought right now is I think about some of those moments, those days that immediately followed and and the unity ...that we had as a country. And you know, I thought that was just a thought I had. But I noticed, I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday, last night... ...one of the news websites said a lot of people, when they remember, are remembering the unity. Uh, I, I mean, clearly, I think that is something we long for. And you know, folks, unity is a lot more than just a neat feeling. I mean, you think about where we are in our nation right now. We've got real issues. We've got real challenges to work through and solve... And, uh, you know, when you reach a place where when somebody comes up with a good answer, but you're against it because it came from them, we're not ever going to get to where we need to be. That, that's certainly our Congress, but that is, that's really throughout our, our nation right now. It's, it's not about good answers, about just anything that doesn't come from you. And so, so important that we, we pray for that unity. God loves, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers uh, unity is not something that falls on us out of the sky it 's something we we work toward, and i can 't help but think of, but of a memory of nine eleven to be the kind of inspiration motivation to strive after that unity we 'll pray for that here also want to give a quick update on on buddy ham as we 've been doing here now for a couple of Sundays. Uh, I know a lot of you saw the the update Friday, Saturday also, and it almost sounded like something bad had happened. Nothing bad happened. He is, he is stable, continuing to get really good numbers. Uh, the urgency that was being presented is that uh, the middle of this coming week is going to be three weeks. Uh, he, we're coming up on a significant amount of time that he's been completely sedated. Uh, that that he's he's on these different machines. Uh, of course, everybody knows about a ventilator. He's on another one called an ECMO. ECMO. Don't ask me to explain it. Um, but it's it's been a long time, and so you know, the doctor told Carrie, "Hey, we've got to we've got to figure out how we're going to make some some new moves, and we're, we're we're in a bad spot because we need to see better numbers." we need to see a more dramatic turn. So it's nothing bad that happened. It's just that we've realized, well, we've really got a long way to go. And, and the long way kind of needs to happen right now. So we've asked people to pray specifically. You don't even have to know what it is. Just say, Lord, help the ECMO machine go from 18 to 10. Can you pray that with me? <laughs> just make it go from 18 to 10, Lord, and take the COVID, take the pneumonia uh, out of his lungs and out of his body and boy when they have to start discussing okay what comes next we'd really like to see some dramatic improvement in that if uh, we also put in the update if you work are out in the area of St Mary's now I, I know there's like hundreds of windows out there but buddy's room has a heart in the window. So if you're out there, walk around till you find that heart and then just start praying over that. You know he's, he's in that room right there. So let's pray for him right now. The good news is we don't have to be standing in front of him for the prayer to have its impact. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And uh, again, Lord, I just, in the order I just talked about things here, I think about our nation. I think about some of our challenges. And uh, Lord, we're so divided and it's not just that we're divided on different ideas. We've really grown to a place where we we don't like, and that's being generous. We don't like the other side. We don't like the other views. We don't like those people. And it, uh, Lord, it's just very hard to imagine us being a nation that's that's unified again. I. I would certainly like to ask for that without there having to be another attack on our nation. I, I can't even imagine an attack would do that again. Lord, I pray as your followers we would realize whatever we agree, disagree with, like, don't like, that you you told us blessed are the peacemakers, and you told us to be a people of unity and harmony. And, Lord, I know any individual sitting here right now, I mean, I can't make the nation unified, but you know what? I, Lord, help me to go home and say I can start where I live. and Help me think about what role I play in bringing about unity and harmony in my home or my workplace or my school or my neighborhood, God. Let us think carefully about the conversations we have and what we drive Lord, I pray for unity and peace in our nation. I pray we could agree on what is right and good to bring about what is right and good for people in America. Lord, we continue to to lift up to you, buddy. God, I pray you would move that ECMO machine from 18 to 10. God, I pray that you would take the, the COVID and the pneumonia out of his lungs and body and that, God, you would restore life and health and strength. And, Lord, in all humility, I say, could you do that right now? Would you just really begin to profoundly move on him uh, in this next day or so, Lord? We just really ask that you we would see you do that. God, we, we continue to lift up to you doctors and nurses and machines and medicines, and we're so grateful for the abilities that you've given mankind. But, God, I want to I see you move and work, and I want it to be clear to all that it was what you did. It's what you did, God. Would you reach down and touch him? Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing today our series, the gospel, our life, our answer. And uh, as I told you last week, I I kind of came up with that, that idea, our answer, because that's just where I was. I mean, I'm coming through this summer, coming out of a year, year and a half, two years, five years of just seeing so many things so dramatically change in our country, a whole new ways of Thinking everything from sexuality to politics to justice and you know what's what's my answer as an individual believer? What's our answer as a church? How do we understand this? How do we respond to it? And I I can't tell you the day, but it just seemed like somewhere in the middle of the summer, God just kind of wrapped me on the head like that. It hurt. And he said, I've already given you an answer. Quit praying for one. The gospel is the answer. And it's the only answer I've author, authorized you to carry into the world. You know, I said last week, that doesn't mean we don't learn about other things. We don't understand other things. But for us, it's always in how the gospel is applied. That is the power of God. It is a great answer. It is the answer that we carry into the world. And we got to get careful that we don't get off course running after what is other important things, oh, how many Christians are running after other important things and missing the only thing that is the power of God for salvation? so we 're thinking about this because you and I can say gospel, and we just think that's something I did back there when I got saved, and I don 't have to move, i don 't have to act. But we're talking about right now, hey, there's believing the gospel, there's living the gospel, there is sharing the gospel, and just reminding ourselves this word needs to be shaping and defining our lives every single day, whether there's something going on in our culture that we understand or or don't understand. Hey, listen, we've got an answer. We've got an answer that can help people not turn down wrong roads and invest a whole lot in wrong answers, right? Do we believe that? And so we want to keep them from having to do that. You know, when I think of trying wrong roads, wrong answers, I think of uh, one of the great Bible figures, uh, King Solomon. King Solomon is, one I think, one of the more intriguing characters of Scripture because the Scripture shows us this really profound experience that he has with God. I mean, the kind of experience that, well, gosh, if that happened to me, I'd love the Lord forever, follow the Lord forever. I'd, that, that would be proof for me. Yeah, Solomon had that experience, but as many of us know, he didn't finish life-loving God, did he? He went to a false God. He went to the God of sexuality. It's a God then, it's a God now. And he completely walked away from the Lord. And he re- arrives to a place, and I believe this was under the power of the Holy Spirit, where he begins to look out at life and says, is there a way to find life, importance, love, and identity? Can I put this together without God? And that's what I would call Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a research project of building a life without God, building those important things. And and so in that, boy, Ecclesiastes gives us some of the most strange verses in the Bible because they sound so contradictory to the rest of the Bible verses like which he says over and over and over life is meaningless well that doesn't sound like you see how well, boy you take that out of context it sounds like it's a contradiction it's not a contradiction at all life is absolutely meaningless if you're trying to build it outside of God apart from God so what Solomon does in Ecclesiastes is he shows us all the roads That he took all of the things that he tried to find love and identity and importance and he could try a lot you know you and I can try a lot that's one of the blessings and curses of being an American we have a lot of options not a not everybody in the world has all the options we have we've got a lot of options for living life without God but Solomon had more and if you turn to Ecclesiastes 2, you will literally see him making a list. I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this. And, he, and he's giving us his laundry list of what he worked through. He says, I tried wine, and I tried laughter, and I tried pleasure. And then he said, I, I tried great building projects and science projects. Boy, he, he was able to put together a lot of learning in history. He did a lot of gardening. Now it's really big gardens, Okay. But he's just looking, hey, what makes a person feel important? Where's my identity? He had a lot of people working for him, thousands of people working for him. So he could kind of run the gamut. I'm going to try power. Maybe that's why, you know, hey, life isn't going to be experienced by me, by everybody. It's going to be experienced by those in control, those with power. So he ran the power gamut. He tried money, and boy, could he try it. He He had the capital. He had the real estate. I think a lot of people, when they think of Solomon, okay, that was probably the richest person that, that lived at that time. He would still be rated as one of the richest people who ever lived, if not the richest. His gold alone, even today. I mean, we're talking Amazon and Google combined kind of wealth, okay? He, and so that gave him a lot of these opportunities. And, and he tried. He said, I gave myself completely over to sex." And I gave myself over to entertainment. So clearly he was an American. <laughs> gave myself over to these things. In one, one verse he says this. He says, here, here, this. I can sum this whole list up this way. If I thought it, if I wanted it, I got it. Anything my heart desired. Anything I thought might possibly do this, I went after it. And you know, my guess is... That in the course of trying all these things, I'm guessing there were some days he had some fun, wouldn't you? I'm guessing he laughed. I'm guessing he enjoyed pleasure. I'm guessing there was places he really felt accomplished as he looked back and, and what was done and, and achieved. I mean, this is the guy, if you're watching him on TikTok and Insta story, you know why your life is miserable. Because I don't have that. Boy, if I had that, if I could you know, we laughed. That's kind of sad, because that's what so many, especially of our young people, are doing. They're looking to to Instagram, they're looking to TikTok to tell them what it is and just seeing how short their life comes up. Of course, what we don't realize is when we're watching that person on Instagram or, or TikTok or we're watching King Solomon, yeah, they're laughing, yeah, they're having a good time, but we really don't realize the emptiness is there. We don't realize that after trying all of this stuff, one day, and one day comes for everybody, Solomon woke up, started to head out into his list of things to try. He said, man, this is a joke. I'm as empty and broken and purposeless as I was before I started all that. You know, folks, sometimes the only hope we have is, is that there's something left to try. <laughs> this hasn't worked. This hasn't worked. But I'm looking on Instagram. Oh, maybe I ought to try this. I'll go over here and find my identity. I'll go over here and figure out importance. I'll go over here and find love. At least I got something left to try. But boy, you really get into a desperate place where all of a sudden the, the options are kind of running slim. And, and, there, and there's nothing more to try. Folks, God wants for you and I to find life. He's not hiding it from us. It's not a cat and a mouse game. I I, I mean, gosh, if we could just come to the place. I like to say, oh, if we only had the wisdom, because none of us does. If we only had the wisdom to not try what somebody else has already proved doesn't work. But I'm going to go down that road. I'm going to go down that relationship. I'm going to go down that job. I'm going to go looking for it over here. Millions of people, 100% of humanity has tried these roads and come up empty. And God is saying, I've got what you need. Again, folks, listen, you don't have to be a Christian to have meaningful relationships or enjoy sex. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy a good steak. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy a hike in the mountains. Yes, as non-believers, separated from God, we can experience, we can accomplish, we can enjoy, but it's always temporary. And a daily proved truth, boy, a hard truth... That every person on the planet proves over and over and over is anything that is giving me pleasure or enjoyment or happiness or accomplishment or an identity or importance, I can lose any of it in a moment's notice with no warning at all. There's not one thing you possess that you can't lose, not one thing. And sometimes we wake up and realize that. And that starts to create some insecurity and, and some desperations. And, and you get to this place, man, it's all meaningless. No matter what you have, you're still broke. God is saying, I, I, I want you to have it. And it's only in Christ that we can have it. It's only in Christ that we can have it permanently. You say, how do you know it's only in Christ? Because Christ created you. That's a scientific statement. Even if you only say you can't prove it, it's, it's only a theory, but it is a theory And anybody who tells you otherwise is scientifically lying to you. God created you. He designed this thing. And he designed everything around this thing. And he knows how it works. And he knows what we need. And that's why Jesus, when he came here, said, guys, man, I came that you might have life. And have it abundantly. I don't want you just to have life. I want you to have an abundant life. Okay, well, what is an abundant life? Well, it must be a lot of money. Well, that doesn't hurt, does it? (laughs) But I know people with a lot of money killed themselves, and I'm not saying that metaphorically. I'm saying that very real. Well, it's having—I mean, life is about relationships. Man, it's having you a lot of friends, people who love you. I know people who had a lot of friends, a lot of applause, a lot of support, and they killed themselves. I'm not trying to be crass here, but all these things we're running after to get there are people. Remember, I talked about having the wisdom to not try what somebody else has already proved doesn't work. And anything we're running around out there, there's people that have that, that have achieved it, that are way beyond us, and they're and they're miserable and they're unhappy, and they don't have any better way than you and I have of of, of dealing with brokenness and hurts and pains. So it's none of those things. I think, I think what universally, if you look at everybody, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what generation you're looking at, we all want a few basic things. And, and money and entertainment and all that stuff probably is pretty nice too. But at the end of the day, here's what we want to know. Who am I? Who am I? Am I important? Is there a reason for me to wake up? Is, is it going to matter if I live today? Who am I? Am I important And love? A- am I lovable? Can-, can I give love? Can I receive love? Th- these are the questions I think every soul is trying to answer. And when you can get those answered, man, you- you've got an abundant life. Now, like I said we can temporarily experience identity, love, importance. We can experience that, but we can lose it too. We can lose it so quickly. What God wants to give us is eternal. What God wants to give us lasts forever. What God wants to give us works for today. And we receive that. We gloriously, wondrously receive that identity, that love, that importance through the gospel. Last week we said the gospel is a message that shapes how I look at life, how I live life. And that message is that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. And that eternally, that eternally saves me from sin, death, and hell. But it very presently and currently saves me from going down one wrong road after another. Trying one wrong answer after another. Man, there's a a lot of weariness in throwing our lives into something only to keep coming up empty. God saved me from that. God rescued me from that. Because I now have it all in Christ. Let's think about what we have in Christ around those three things. First of all, we have an identity in Christ. And folks, every one of these things I'm talking about, the key is in Christ. Outside of Christ, you do not have that. Inside of Christ, these things are true. In Christ, I'm a child of God. In Christ... I am a co-heir of Jesus. That's one of my favorite ones in the whole Bible. I'm just trying to unwrap that picture. Y'all have heard me talk about this before. Where I stand here before God, Jesus is standing next to me, and we're co-heirs. That means we're equals, standing before the Father to receive an internal inheritance. What in the world am I doing here? I don't belong here other than that God is that kind and that good. That's a miracle. That's who I am. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. I am a saint I am a saint. Can you imagine that? I'm a saint. You say, I, I didn't think you were really a saint, Randy. <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of get a little frustrated with the, the, the Catholic Church for kidnapping that word out of the Scripture and applying it to the Christian version of superheroes. Because I'm not a superhero. I'm never going to be a superhero. I guess what, you got to fall into a vat of chemicals or I forgot the other one that makes people superheroes. But anyway... You know, when you've got a word out there, an idea out there that you know you're never going to be, what do you do? You never try. Why would I try to be a saint? I'm not, I'm not going to be a, 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 a saint. Hey, you know what? I've put no effort in life into being an NBA basketball player. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to happen. You don't, I don't try things that are just not going to happen. And sadly, many of us would look at being a saint as somewhat the same because we have this idea that some superhero of a Christian. That's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament says you are, it's not, not you're going to become one, not you're growing into one. It says you are a saint. That is your identity. I wonder if I actually believed in my identity. I might have more motivation to live my identity. We're going to talk about this a lot this morning, folks. All the things that we believe that don't ever show up anywhere in our lives. I'm a a saint. You know what the New Testament doesn't call believers? Sinners. You and I are very used to and very comfortable running around saying, I'm a sinner. You're not a sinner. They say, wait a minute, this really sounds strange. Pastor, I'm pretty sure you've called me a sinner. No, No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Outside of Christ, you are a sinner. That is your identity. In Christ, my identity is a saint, a holy one. Sin is no longer my identity. Yes, of course, the New Testament absolutely talks about Christians whose identity is as a saint that are still involved in the actions not the identity, but the actions of sin. And that's sad that you and I have actions completely opposed to our own identity. But, but sinner is not my identity. And we just don't look at the basic teaching of the New Testament. So I believe I'm a sinner, so what do I act like? A sinner. I don't believe I'm a saint, so guess what? I'm not even going to work on this week. See, I've got an identity in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. And I am a saint. And in that identity, I am securely loved by God. Man, Christ died for me. God proved, God demonstrated his great love for me in and by and through Jesus Christ. And I can't do anything to mess up that love. Isn't that great? I can't do anything. That's what Romans 8, 1 is saying. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. There's nothing I can do to ruin this love, mess up this love, lose this love. One of the the many, but one of the great verses teaching eternal security. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are, two important words, in Christ. I can't run away God's love. And nothing outside of me can take away God's love. That's what the Romans 8 one says, you can't, and the end of Romans says, and nothing else can. Nothing in the past, present, or future, nothing in the spiritual realm, nothing in the physical realm. You say, Pastor, what else is there? That's the point. There's nothing that can take you out of God's love for you. That love is absolutely secure. You can lose every other kind of love, but you can't lose the most important kind. God's love for you. And in that identity and in that love, man, I've got a reason to wake up today. I, I'm important. I, you know, I, you know, I, I am important. You know what I am? I'm God's voice. I'm an ambassador for God. He is going to make an appeal to the world today through me. No, no, not through me, the, the senior pastor of the Heights Baptist Church. No, through me, the individual follower of Jesus Christ. No differently than anybody and everybody in this room. You're going to go into your world, whatever your little world contains, and God wants to make an appeal to everything and everyone in your world through you. And that's your job. I'm an ambassador. I'm a, I'm a witness. Hey, listen, if I don't even hardly say anything today, I can go out into the world. And just by the way I live in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to God's word, I have a chance to show people the beauty of Christ and the beauty of God's word. I have a very important reason to get up and go today. That's what I have in Christ. And folks, that, that, those three things and all the things under those three, I'm, that's just getting started. That's not an exhaustive list of identity and love and importance. That's just getting us started. Now, my guess is a lot of us in here, many of us in here already knew that, right? I mean, it wasn't a newsflash for me to say I am a child of God. Yeah, I'm a child of God, and, and I'm no longer condemned, and, and I'm a witness. I'm an about, I knew those things. I knew those things. I believed those things. You would even say, I know that I have those things because of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we know that. So where's that showing up in life? We have become profoundly proficient at saying we believe something without that belief ever being fleshed out anywhere. Remember, the Scripture commands us, don't, don't be a hearer. Don't be just a believer of something. Be a doer. If you're hearing, if you're believing, and you're not actually doing, you're deceiving yourself. What am I deceiving? I'm deceiving myself that I've got some kind of belief. If the belief doesn't become action, that faith, that belief has to have life and, and flesh and bone and blood, and it needs to show up. Not sometimes sometimes. All of the time. Everywhere and everything going on in my life. Because that's how life works. When you and I have real beliefs, it shows up. Let's let's just flip this the whole other way. Talking about being loved. Anybody ever in here ever felt unloved? Of course you have. Unloved, unrejected. uh, Unloved, rejected. And if you feel that way or had felt that way, you probably tied that to an action. Somebody broke up with me, somebody divorced me, somebody betrayed me, somebody committed some kind of act that no person would ever do to a person that's lovable. And so we, we have this belief, and gosh, if it was only one action, right? Sometimes it's not one thing, it's this person in that situation, and over here, and this happened, and boy, pretty soon I believe I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy of being loved. Man, when you believe that about yourself, does is that going to be seen by the world around you? Sure it is. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be distrusting. I'm going to be distant. You know, man, when you don't feel loved, you don't have a lot of energy, do you? See, there's no way I believe that about myself. And it doesn't come out, I, I like to say, in my tone of voice, in my mood, and in my actions. You, you just can't hide that kind of belief. It's coming out. ...in those things. But wait a minute. I am loved. I am profoundly, significantly loved. That also... That's not just me having a positive thought. It is tied to an action. It is tied to a historical event. Jesus died on the cross for me. He told me it was for me. God told me I'm showing you my love for you. So I have a real event... ...by the most important person in the universe... Showing me how greatly, how deeply, how permanently he loves me. Shouldn't that show up in my tone of voice, my mood, and my actions somewhere? What, what about our job? I, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is true in other places. It's certainly true in America. Your name and your job go together, don't they? When you're being introduced, say, this, this is Randy, he's the pastor. This is Bob, he's an accountant. This is Sarah, she's a homemaker. This is Judy. She's a teacher. I mean, we, we, we name and job, I mean, that's, 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 that's my contribution to society. That, that's what says I'm, I'm doing something. I, I count. I, I matter. Boy, you lose a job. You're fired. You're laid off. Man, that, hey, you know, we think, oh, how are we going to pay the bills? Boy, if you go through that for any amount of time, hey, paying the bills is a big deal, but there's a bigger deal. Our worth really takes a hit. Our, our understanding of who we are and what I'm doing here and does it even matter anymore. And, and anybody around us will know that belief will affect my mood, my tone of voice, and my actions. But wait a minute, I always have a reason to wake up. I always have a reason to get dressed and head into the day. God's going to make an appeal through me. I mean, if I believe that. If I don't really believe it, then it... It probably won't happen because I'm not open and available to God for that. See, I have a job. You know folks, I guess I guess what I'm challenging us to do is you go home today and, and you say, "I believe the gospel? I, I'd encourage you to write it on a piece of paper. I believe the gospel." And since I believe the gospel, what are the other things that think that means I believe? If I believe the gospel, then that means I'm a child of God. Then that means I'm loved by God. Then that means I'm forgiven by God. And you, and you just make that list. And you start looking, hey, is any of this showing up anywhere? I have been saying for, I mean, some of us for three years, others 45 years. I've been saying I believe these things. So where do these things show up? As a matter of fact, it's when I feel most unloved. It's when I've lost my job. Boy, that's when I really need those beliefs to show up, right? That's when our beliefs can mean the very the very most. Are we just comfortable coming to a building and affirming that we believe something, but then going and handling life, and nowhere does it show up? Now, let me, right here, I need to wrap up, but I want to completely switch courses, because so far, we've talked about our beliefs And how they impact everything going on inside of here. But you know, our beliefs also impact how we look at and understand what's going on out there. How we look at people. Now again, this is an assumption. I assume a lot of us believe in Christ alone, right? Is my identity, my love, and my worth, my importance. We believe it's in Christ alone. But So I look out there at the world, at work, at school, on the news. And what do I see? Billions of people who do not have that answer. And you know what they're doing? You know what they're experiencing? The exact same thing Solomon did. They're trying one thing after another. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And they're coming up empty. Sometimes they come up empty immediately. Sometimes they enjoy that for years. But sooner or later, they come up empty. And you know, after we come up empty a handful of times, we start to get desperate. And the more desperate we get... We start in, When we're in desperation, we make bad decisions, don't we, generally speaking? And so not only am I growing more desperate with life, but I start making more bad decisions. and it just kind of becomes a vicious cycle. You know, wouldn't the believer, somebody who's found the answer in Christ, it seems like you and I would look out there at folks, and boy, at the very minimum, we have now a much more gracious, patient, compassionate view Because we see the desperation, we understand they're trying to make life work, they're trying to find what the human soul needs, and they're doing it without Christ. Now folks, when I say we look out there with grace, or wisdom, or compassion, or patience, I'm I'm not saying that means we're okay with sin, sin is a destroyer. Sin destroys and kills life in me and in all around me. So say, saying that I look out there and I now have a new grace and a new compassion doesn't mean I just, oh, you know, you know just everybody's trying. Boy, I hope one day they find Jesus. No, it doesn't mean we just put a smile on everything. No, the destruction is real. But now maybe instead of watching them at work or watching them on, on the news and feeling disgust and feeling hate... Because they don't have the answer that I've been blessed to have. Maybe we think, man, maybe I should be praying for them. Maybe maybe I should see what role I bring. You know, you and I have been watching a lot of movements, right? Political movements, sexual movements, justice movements. We watch these movements on TV and some of these in these movements are just doing some horrible things like burning cities to the ground. And we do. We look at that with disgust. We look at that with hate. They're the evil. They're the problem. God, why don't you just wipe them off the map? What's your answer to that, God? Do you ever think God might be looking back at you and me going, you're my answer to that. I want to appeal to them. I want to do it through you. But you don't believe anything I've said about you. Oh, I am? Do look. sitting here in church on Sunday morning, Lord? You know why people get involved in movements because we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. They're just trying to find an answer. If I'm a, maybe if I'm a part of this movement, I'm going to be important. And if I'm a part of this movement, I'm important with these other people. So now I've got a community. I've got people who love me and now my life counts you know I'm pretty sure God had that in mind for the church, don't you? You know, folks. Anything you look out there—that's broken, and on fire, and bleeding, and empty, and crying—it's just people trying to figure out life without Christ. They didn't go to, they didn't get a chance to read Solomon's research project. Hey, I've tried all that. <laughs> Woo, it doesn't work. But you and I have a chance to to do more than say it doesn't work. We have a chance to say, hey, I know exactly what you're feeling. Can I tell you what works? How is it we can say we believe something and never really think about what that means we believe and how we, how we live that out? The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all. It is the answer for everybody out there. And for everyone who's received it, go live it. Go demonstrate it. They're looking. They're out there searching. And oh my gosh, they're doing some crazy stuff trying to find the answer. Let it be clear in your life what the answer is. How important we believe and live and share the gospel. It actually does change lives. It actually does change a culture. Do that homework this week. Piece of paper. I believe the gospel. What are all the things I I must believe since I believe that? And how is that this week going to show up in my mood, in my tone of voice, and in my actions? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray we would each one take this serious... God, I wonder what needs to happen in my life that the gospel could so much more powerfully begin to shape and define all that I am and everything that I do. Lord, I don't want to just complain about the world. I want to to be an answer that you provide, that you appeal to the world through. God, I pray that for, for everybody in our church. Oh, Lord, there's real issues out there. We need to understand those issues. We need to know how to deal with those issues. But we never may we never get away that there's really one profound thing you've called us to clearly do every single day. Believe, live, and share the gospel. That is our power in this world. Thank you for it. Thank you for it, God. Help me live it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.